What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Let's face it, dealing with infertility and miscarriage can take a toll on our mental health. And when we're paying so much money to successfully start our family, we usually look for any way to save. I've partnered with BetterHelp, an online counseling service that matches you with a licensed professional therapist based on your therapy needs and goals. And they're giving Life After Miscarriage listeners 10% off their first month when you sign up through betterhelp.com L-A-M. That's betterhelp.com lamb. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We have Danielle on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her, even though her and I have been chatting for quite some time on Instagram. But Danielle, I'm just going to toss it at you, and I'm excited to just kind of hear your full story. So take it away. Okay. Thanks, Shelly. So my husband and I got married in July of 2018. Uh, We met in... Um, almost July, I think it was August of 2014. And um, we just enjoyed spending time together and hit it off. Um, I wanted, I told him like clearly in the beginning that you know, I wanted like to get married and have kids like within like two or three years. And um, he was on board with that. And we like have the same goals, I guess. Um, and so when we got married, I really wanted to start trying. I actually wanted to like get married even earlier than we did and start trying. Um, but he wanted to like keep us on a certain pace. And um, we started trying of June of last year. So June, 2019. Um, and uh, it only took two tries. Like we conceived at the end of July, I got my first positive. Um, August 5th of last year. So now we're like a full year of that. Um, I teach high school and um, our school starts around this time. Like we're actually starting in a few days. And so last year we had started at this point. So I remember finding out like, I think my period was due. I don't remember which day my period was due, but it was a Friday. And I remember that the first day of school was that Monday. And so I tested because we'd been trying on the Friday morning of my period because my period usually starts in the morning and I um, can predict that it's not coming that day if it wasn't there like when I woke up. So I just tested right away in the morning and it was negative. Um, So I was fine with it. We'd only been trying two months. I just figured whatever and like moved on. And (laughs) then um, I'm usually very regular, but there have been times when I've been like, really stressed out or anticipating something and so I've been like a few days late so it wasn't weird to me that it didn't come over the weekend I didn't really think of it since Monday was the first day of school and then Monday happened I didn't feel stressed about that day I just remember like you know it was routine I was looking forward to like coming home um getting on my stationary bike getting my cardio for the day and like once I got home I got on the bike and like couldn't even do 30 seconds. <laughs> like I was so exhausted. I was like seeing spots. So I like laid down and was like, why am I this tired? Like, I know I just worked, you know? And like after the summer, the workout schedule kind of changes. So I know this is like the first day back and I'm like kind of in a new routine. But then I was like, you know, I guess I should have had my period like three days ago. So I'll go test. And I tested and it was positive. And my husband was working late. So I like couldn't wait to tell him. But I just I didn't tell him over the phone. Like proud of myself that I didn't go call him on the phone. But um I texted him and asked him what time he was gonna be home, even though I knew. But I just like was too excited. So he told me like, you know, nine o'clock, the time I said I would be home. So I just waited. It was like four hours of waiting to tell him. Um, and then he came home and we were super excited. Um, 
yeah, and I scheduled um, an appointment. I actually didn't have a regular OB. Um, I did have a regular OB like back when I lived with my parents and that was like the OB that I'd seen since I was in high school. So I called her and um, she scheduled an appointment for like two weeks from then. Um, and I was just like really excited and remember like going to school every day, feeling like glowing. I think the next day was picture day. And so now I look at that teacher picture I have and remember that like, that was like my second day of being pregnant and I was glowing and really happy. Um, then I remember um, writing down every symptom that was like abnormal for me. So like I remember writing down August 5th, first symptom was like exhaustion. Um, and I had a like extreme thirst. My boobs were super tender, like really painful. Even like I had to shift my seatbelt and my purse and I couldn't like, yeah, have anything touch them. <laughs> um, I think it was August 13th when I had severe cramping, but it didn't concern me because I didn't have any bleeding at all. Um, but the cramping went on and it was really just like period cramping or premenstrual cramping because I have that usually like two days before my period. And so it was kind of scary, but not because, I don't know, I just didn't think I should be worried, even though it was really painful, like to the point where I had to get a heating pad. Um, and that lasted pretty much all night. Um, and then in the morning I felt normal, no bleeding or anything. Um, I saw the doctor probably like five days later. And of course she was out of town. So she had like a sub doctor and the sub doctor like wasn't very like comprehensive. I, I, this is my first pregnancy. So I thought there'd be a blood test at this, but they really just did a urine test. And like, she pulled out her app and gave me a due date, which I had already done at home. I was like really disappointed with like the lack of attention. I thought that the first like OB meeting would be more comprehensive than that. Um, so uh, that day, oh, okay. So when I got my positive, was waiting for my husband, I like found the what to expect app and the baby bump app. So I joined both of them and I got really excited about reading everything every day, all the time. And then, so after that OB appointment, um, first of all, she's like 45 minutes from where we live, because that's more like where my parents live. So it made sense for me to find an OB closer here anyway. Um, and I have asthma and hypertension, so I knew I'd be high risk no matter what. Um, so I searched on, like I already talked in the chat groups um, with other moms with my, my due date who live in my area and I asked them for a high-risk OB in our area um, and they referred me to a few one of them like had great reviews I was really excited to meet him I called and he had new patients so he set me up for like a nine-week appointment um, and then one day at school I think it was a Wednesday I'd been having exhaustion the whole time for like the whole two weeks and um, I had started taking like naps instead of eating lunch. And like after school, I had to take like a 90 minute nap. I like so tired, I couldn't even drive home. I only live like 15 minutes from school. So it was like a real sign that <laughs> I was tired um, that I couldn't even drive home after before taking a nap. So I remember like sleeping in the classroom for like 90 minutes. And then I packed up to go home, went to the restroom before um, getting in my car, and I saw brown clots. So I called my husband, like, in the stall, freaking out. <laughs> um, and I thought I was overreacting, too. Like, my husband's really good at calming me down when I overreact. And so he did. He was Googling things and said, like, brown is good because it means it's like old blood and it's nothing active, but you should call call that new doctor and see what he says. So 
I drove home, called the doctor. Um, he got me an appointment with his um, nurse practitioner the next morning. So I took the next day off of school. Um, we went in and my husband came too. And she did an ultrasound. Um, the spotting, like it wasn't really even spotting. I just had clotting for like that one time and I didn't see it again for the rest of the night. And I didn't see it the next morning. And we went in at like 11, so like late morning. Um, and we did the ultrasound. Um, and before the ultrasound even, the nurse practitioner put this like giant Q-tip up to my cervix and she brought it out and there, it was like covered in brown. So um, I don't even remember what she said anymore. I just remember she like showed me and said, yeah, I do see discharge here. Um, so I don't know what we're gonna see in there. And we, she went in and then she was just really quiet. Then she like smiled and like patted me and was like, oh, things look really good. And she showed me this screen and she showed me like the sack. She said, okay, you should be seven weeks today. And um, this is really measuring it six weeks, three days, um, which is good. And she showed me the flicker, like, so there was cardiac activity. Um, and so my husband and I saw that and it was really special and we were really excited about it. We had a picture and I, took the picture home and was, yeah, just really excited. And she still seemed, um, because once I, once I called this new doctor for the first time, he scheduled my nine week appointment, he actually ordered blood work just routinely. So I had done the blood work the Monday before. And she did say that like my blood work was kind of concerning for my last missed cycle. Um, but I felt encouraged when we saw the ultrasound. She was very cautious, very like um, neutral. She was encouraging when she saw the heart, um, the cardiac activity, but, but she still left us with some caution because she scheduled us for the next Wednesday and said um, that she wanted me to do blood work before I left. And then she wanted more blood work the following Monday. And then we'd see like what we'd see for the next week. So I think I felt physically okay for the whole week. I just was super anxious, had trouble sleeping. And my husband was able to like calm me at night. Um, you know, he was reassuring me that like what we saw was good news. Also, um, one of my college friends is a midwife and she's also um, a nurse practitioner. And so I hadn't told any of my friends, I hadn't told my family, but I did tell my friend Kelly because she's an expert at um, birthing. Um, and so she was really excited for me. Um, my due date was her birthday in April. Um, she was just really encouraging. I told her everything. I told her about um, the cramping that I had on the 8th, like when it happened. And she said, well, you're not bleeding. And you're fine. If you want to call your doctor, you can, but like if you see bleeding and it's also pain, then you do need to go to the ER, but I was fine. Then I told her about like the doctor's appointment where we saw the ultrasound um, and she was encouraging. She said that my numbers and my progesterone were concerning and that um, she'd feel more confident if they were higher, but the fact that there was cardiac activity and then I'm at seven weeks, like the likelihood of loss was low for me. And then so the following week when we went in, I felt so confident that I told my husband not to take the day off. Um, so I really thought it was just gonna be a routine check-in. So we went um, and the nurse practitioner did another ultrasound. She said that because of my blood work, she wasn't sure what we'd see, that was the same thing she said last week, so I guess I wasn't really alarmed. Um, and then in that ultrasound, there was just no activity. Um, I could see that it had, had hardly grown, like she didn't measure it, but I had stared at the ultrasound picture for so long that I really memorized it and I could tell that it had grown a little bit, but it definitely hadn't doubled in size like it should have, and there was just no movement at all. Um, so she 
let me be alone. I called my husband at work and told him. And then I just went home and then like spiraled out for the rest of the day. Um, uh, let's see, so that was August. Um, and then by that, yeah, I think that was late, late August, like the last week of August, um, that final ultrasound. Um, so for Labor Day in early September, my dad had bought baseball tickets for like a local baseball team that we had for the whole family. And yeah, I remember like back at the doctor's appointment that I had, I asked the nurse practitioner, what happens next? Like, what should I do? And she said, well, you could just pass it naturally and wait for it to pass naturally. And I was like, well, how long can that take? And she looked at the ultrasound. I remember I looked at my numbers and she said, I don't know. It could be anywhere up to like two weeks from now. And I just was really afraid to see it. Like, because I'd been staring at that ultrasound for a week, talking to it, like singing to it. And I just like, couldn't, stand the idea of like what I would see if it passed so I asked her um like what other options are there and she said um that I should just go home and think about it you can tell I was like really distraught and I was by myself um so I when I went home actually I called Kelly she was really comforting she like let me just repeat myself over and over I was just really confused um and Kelly told me about like the DNC and help me with the pros and cons. Honestly, I couldn't understand, like at that point, I didn't see a con and Kelly was like, yeah, usually women don't wanna do that because they have like some mild hope, but you got to see cardiac activity and now today you didn't. So I feel like you understand this is really over. So maybe the DNC is best for you if you really just want this to be over. So I did schedule one for the day after Labor Day, because it was Labor Day weekend. Um, so the Tuesday after Labor Day. Anyway, for Labor Day, my dad had um, gotten baseball tickets for the family. I stopped taking progesterone. I forgot to mention that even after the first, another red flag that I missed was that even after the first ultrasound, um, when we saw cardiac activity, the um, nurse practitioner gave me progesterone. So I took it every night like inserted it and made sure to rest um and after the last ultrasound i stopped taking it and it took about 24 hours before i started seeing the red clots again and then they turned oh sorry they were brown clots again and then they turned red and then it turned into like a light flow um so i was worried that i was going to pass it over labor day weekend um and not make it to surgery. And since I hadn't told my family, I just told them I wasn't feeling well and I didn't want to go to the baseball game. <laughs> um, but then they were really concerned because it isn't like me. And I just stayed in bed for like the whole weekend. And then when Monday came, I actually was feeling kind of better. I was feeling more stable. So I told them I was going and we went and I was really concerned the whole baseball game that I was going to have like just some horrifying accident in the bathroom like in a public bathroom but I didn't I was feeling like I wasn't cramping it on that day I was cramping like the whole weekend before um so then Tuesday I had surgery my husband you know brought me um I don't remember a lot about that but my husband remembers like me waking up and crying and asking him questions about the surgery over and over again and he's I know he's like has trauma from that which I hardly remember um but then we went home I took off those two days because I had to um when I woke up that Wednesday I didn't realize like how much better I felt on Wednesday. Like, so I think I had been ignoring mild cramping for the whole pregnancy. I think I had like mild cramping 
starting from maybe two days before my period and then it like just never ended and I didn't realize the difference until I woke up the next day after the DNC um and I just felt really lost and upset throughout September um I to this day haven't gone to the same <laughs> staff restroom that I did the first day that I saw brown clots um which is really hard to be working I don't know how anyone continues to like go to work when they're dealing with that. I know women do all the time, but I just couldn't figure out how to focus. Um, so then in October, my friend Kelly always throws a Halloween party. So I didn't feel like going. <laughs> I haven't. I, I hadn't seen my friends in a long time, but I, so I went because I hadn't seen anyone in a long time and I just been moping at home. Um, and Kelly took me aside um, in the middle of the party and told me like she was going to make an announcement later that she was expecting. Um, she had almost the same due date that I had. Um, and so I just told her I was happy for her. I really appreciated that she took me aside because like I was considerate of her. Um, and then I went back to the party and tried to be normal. And then another friend announced that she also was a surrogate for a third friend. So technically I had like two and a half friends pregnant and they all had like my due date. Um, so it was really hard to deal with. I like obviously left the party early, even though I pretended to be happy for everyone. And um, my husband and I really believe in counseling. Like we had premarital um, religious counseling throughout our engagement. And then once we got married, we started doing couples counseling like once a month. So we went to the same therapist that we always do and told him like what happened. Um, the first time we told our therapist, I didn't really talk because I know my husband didn't really have an outlet. I had my friend Kelly. I had all of these YouTube videos that I found that like helped me not feel alone, but I was really concerned that my husband felt alone. There really isn't anything on YouTube. There really isn't any podcast for husbands or for the dads. Um, which is a shame and I know he doesn't have like friends that would really understand or be helpful so I let him talk throughout the therapy session I think that was helpful for him and then a few weeks later our schedules didn't align and I just really really needed counseling so I went to our therapist alone for the first time and it was just a really, I was shocked that this therapist was just really insensitive. I mean, he's a man. I don't want to like disparage all men, but I was just really disappointed that this therapist said really like insensitive things to me. Like, it's just, I can't even, I don't even want to really go there in my mind. I just was really disappointed. And when I left that session, I just went to a local park and like sat in the parking lot and stared. <laughs> and my husband was like texting me, where are you? Are you okay? And I was just ignoring him. And then when I showed up at like at 10 o'clock at night, he could just see in my face that I was like, just upset. He was just like, how's the therapy session? I was like, it was bad. I was like, not okay with it. Um, so we stopped going to that therapist. <laughs> um, and then since the DNC, I started having early periods. I think that was another, that's another reason why I like really needed to see a therapist. Even though my husband's schedule didn't work that week, I knew I needed something that week. Actually in October, I was triggered a lot because it is um, Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month. And um, uh, my insurance, was really promoting this virtual therapy. So I tried it in October and I connected with this therapist and it was just really 
problem with therapy is when you have a trauma, you have to relive it. You kind of feel, or I kind of felt worse before I could feel better. So the first like two sessions with a therapist, like I thought she was understanding. She was not judgmental. She was just curious and listening and let me talk. And that was helpful for me, but it's just really painful. Like reliving everything. Um, so I saw our regular therapist in November and was super disappointed with him. And, um, the periods that I was having were like 26 days. Like, so I was just always caught off guard. And that's one thing that the virtual therapist helped me realize is that I pretty much had PTSD because like seeing blood when I go to the restroom, when I didn't expect it, just brought me back to that place. And um, she kind of worked with me on like not feeling as surprised or trying not to feel as surprised or work through it. Um, but I just decided we really needed to get away for Thanksgiving. So we didn't do anything family-based for Thanksgiving. We went to Vegas and I thought that would help me because most of the time I just, I'm either at work or I'm in bed, you know, like eating cookies and crying all the time. So I thought going somewhere else would help me like get out and just see something new and, but it didn't really, um, I had an early period <laughs> in Vegas. And so I spent like one whole day in bed and wasting like our time there. My husband's really understanding of it. I just was dis I'm always, I just feel like I'm always disappointing myself and struggling with like panic, panic attacks or like not being able to get out of bed. And so we eventually had some fun in Vegas, but <laughs> I wasted most of the time like feeling miserable. Um, and so my husband found this um, support group called Compassionate Friends, and that's for um, parents who have lost a child at any age, like from conception to whatever age. And uh, the first time I went was in December. Uh, they meet just once a month, and that they meet on the first Monday of the month. And so that Monday, my husband couldn't go. But I just really felt like after Thanksgiving, I just really, really needed more help. So I went by myself. The good thing about compassionate friends is they say, like in their mission statement, that no one has to talk. You could just sit and just be there and absorb. And so that's why I felt safe to go, even without my husband. Um, I learned a lot from that group. I was the only miscarriage story. Everyone else had, you know, children that were either adults or there were one or two parents that had like an elementary age child. Um, but it helped me realize that grief is grief. I don't know. I've never, definitely never grieved like this before. And I've lost grandparents and I've taken it deeply but not like this and so just to hear the other parents talk about how they'll go through times where they feel normal or they feel like there's hope that they'll feel better and then something will trigger them and they'll go back to the beginning like it felt helpful also um through watching youtube i keep seeing um pregnancy loss mothers finding relief in like naming their babies, even if they didn't know the gender, if it was too early to have a gender, um, just so that when they speak about it, they don't have to use the word miscarriage all the time or loss all the time. Um, and there was a parent in that grief group that gave me an idea for a name. I didn't say anything ever. She, just, everyone just went around in a circle and told their story and talked about like how their month went. And so someone mentioned a name um, that they'd heard of. And I texted my husband, like, I think maybe this name is one for our baby. And he had totally agreed with it. 
Um, and another thing I learned from that meeting, um, there was a mother who lost her daughter when she was, I think, in third grade. And she said back to school season always triggers, triggers her because her daughter was like an excellent student and loved school. And she loved the back to school time. And she loved to like go shopping and buy new crayons and buy a new backpack and buy all the supplies. And that's something they did together. And it was so joyful. And she said like she felt some relief this year because instead of hating back to school season and dreading it and not wanting to go to the store and watch all the other parents like shop for it. Um, she just went this year and just shopped as if her daughter were with her. And she went home and like unpacked everything as if like her daughter were there. And then she just went to her local church and donated all of the things that she bought. Um, and I found that helpful because I think a lot, like a lot of my grief, maybe 80% of the grief that I had was because this was my first pregnancy and I had expectations for like the announcement, Instagram posts, the baby shower, the like pregnancy shoot. And I hadn't bought any clothes for the baby, but I'd already bought like matching t-shirts for my husband and I, where we were going to announce it to our families. And so I had items. And so that woman inspired me to donate everything that I bought for this pregnancy. And that really did feel relieving. I did feel good about it. Um, and still to this day, I do that. Um, whenever I see pregnant women like buying something on sale at a store, like at first it upsets me, like it triggers me to see pregnant women. But then I can quickly turn it around by like going over to the baby section and like just looking around curiously. And if I see something that's a good deal, I buy it and I can put it in our storage. And if I never use it, then I can go donate it. So it really releases a lot of that that disappointment for me. Um, and then another thing that was making me anxious is, I know three months is not a long time, or at this point, I guess it's four months, but I wasn't pregnant again. Like, I guess since we only tried for two months the first time, it just felt like four months was such a long time to not be pregnant again. I just really wanted to rebound quickly. Um, so in January, I started doing acupuncture. I've had success with acupuncture in the past, like for my allergies, for insomnia, like for digestive problems. I've always responded really well to acupuncture. So I started in the middle of January. Um, and in February, actually, also, I needed to mention that I started the Ava bracelet probably in November and that maybe it was another reason why I had like a depressive episode at Thanksgiving is because I had an early period but I could predict the period was coming because the Ava bracelet showed me that my temperature was dropping three days in a row and I like was in denial about it because I'm a 30-day regular cycle and so like start seeing my temperature drop at 24 days was like something I was fighting mentally um, and so I saw my, my OB in February and just for a follow-up and like, cause I was concerned that I wasn't pregnant again. And he told me like four months is not a long time. You're obviously very anxious. You just need to be relaxing. It's good that you're doing acupuncture. That's a relaxing activity. Like you should meditate more. He said that I should stop using the Ava bracelet. Um, I should just do LH strips, like when once you see a positive LH strip, stop doing it. Like don't analyze like the darkness of the strip. Like if you ever see a positive LH strip, that means you're in the 36 hour window. Just do the deed every other day or every day if you want to. Um, and that was like February 10th where I had um, my visit with my OB. And um, I ovulated like on the 18th and we conceived that cycle. I 
credit the acupuncture the most, even though I know like relaxing and not using the Aver bracelet every day helped me um, like ease my anxiety. Because the problem with the Aver bracelet is you have to sink it every morning. So it's really the first thing you think about in the morning. <laughs> um, so my period should have been the last day of February. My grandmother had been sick for, or sure her health had been declining for probably a year. We were really close. We usually spoke on the weekends, but starting in like September, her mental decline was such that I really couldn't talk to her on the weekends anymore. And my dad told me she didn't have much time starting in January. He told me literally like, it'll be any day now. And so February 25th, she passed away, um, which didn't surprise me, but still was upsetting. I tested that night because it was four days out. And I think it, it, it absolutely had to do with my grandmother's passing, I thought, like, spiritually maybe I was pregnant it was just a circle of life and had a negative test that day and that like sent me into a spiral which was silly I know because it was early and yeah I just tried not to be upset about it and then um I missed my period on the 28th um and didn't test because I didn't want to stress myself out again <laughs> but then um when I was two days late, I tested again and had a positive. But somehow I just didn't feel strong about that positive. It didn't feel, it wasn't strong. And the fact that my early test, my, yeah, my EPT was negative, upset me too. And, you know, pregnancy after loss just makes me more cautious. But my husband overcompensated for us. He was super excited. He decided to like, do all the things that I wanted to do with the first pregnancy. Like first pregnancy, I was on the apps and I was taking pictures like every week of the bump and I didn't have a bump yet, but like it was wanting to watch the progression. So he like got in on that. Um, my grandmother lives out of state. So we had to travel to her funeral that week. So Monday, I got the positive pregnancy tests and we flew out Wednesday. And um, I consciously told myself, like, to stay calm. It's like impossible to be happy, like, for you know, a week with your family at your funeral, at a my grandmother's funeral. But um, I just wanted to stay calm, so I pretty much did. I did um, a blood draw right before we left, and um, we got the results while we were there. My HCG was only 26, but it was a super early pregnancy. So the nurse practitioner told me over the phone, like, it's probably just really early. We'll do another blood draw. Like I did my second blood draw there out of town. Um, and we came, we flew back on a Saturday. This was early March. Actually, it was March 6th. No, March. Yeah, March 6th. We flew back. Um, and that week was so packed. My symptoms again were exhaustion and thirst and breast sensitivity. Um, but I think now looking back on it, I know that's another reason why I didn't feel strong about this pregnancy. The breast sensitivity wasn't as strong as it was with the first pregnancy. I thought the exhaustion wasn't as strong, but it was hard to tell since we had so much to do. We were just on our feet and moving, you know, interacting with people all the time. I didn't really get to rest. And um, so I was looking forward to coming home and having the weekend to sleep. We came home like on a Friday night, got in bed, fell right to sleep. We were both exhausted. I had nothing to do all weekend, so I was excited to like sleep in. Um, when I went to the restroom at 4 a.m., like I usually do, I wiped and it was like 
full flow. I was on progesterone. Like, so when my nurse practitioner called a few days before to tell me my HCG was 26, she also, I forget what my progesterone was, but it was like borderline low. So she put me on progesterone again and took it immediately. Went to like a local pharmacy and took it. Um, so I really didn't predict that I'd see like full flow three days after taking progesterone because the first time progesterone really stopped any spotting or any bleeding. And once I stopped taking it, when we knew that it was lost, then that's when I slowly came back to like flow. But this time, like it was just, yeah, four o'clock in the morning, first wipe and it was like, I was just having a normal period. So even though I'd like prepared myself for this pregnancy not being strong, I just really, it was just horrible to see that. And I didn't, I had no cramps. I had, just didn't predict it at all. So I think, I don't even remember this, but my husband woke up. He probably, he, I think he heard me scream in the bathroom and asked me what was wrong and like saw it. So and he didn't know what to do. And I just thought, well, I guess I got to go back to bed. I'm like, we know. It was just like a full period. It wasn't like spotting. It was, wasn't like a slow loss. And I knew my HCG was only 26. So it was like, I don't know. Um, I had been a member of this Facebook group called um, TTC After Loss. And so I messaged that group they have women all over the world. So even though it was four o'clock in the morning, I knew someone would like talk to me. And so many women responded like I needed to go to the ER right away. And I was like, but I'm not in any pain. I thought like, if you don't have pain and bleeding, then you don't really need to go to the ER. And then they convinced me to go. So we went. This was when COVID was concerning, but it wasn't when stay at home was in place. It was really like a week before stay at home started. So um, we went reluctantly. I just really didn't want to be in an ER, especially since we'd just been in an airport. Um, they saw me right away, got me in an ultrasound. The doctor said he didn't see anything like that would indicate any kind of pregnancy. My HCG was 10. Um, I was of the attitude that I knew it was a loss. Like there was no doubt in my mind from when I wiped. My husband kind of thought like there was hope. The women online were saying like, maybe it's just, maybe it's just, um, I forget what it's called where, where like you could have some kind of tear and the pregnancy's fine and you're just having it. I forget there's a word for it, but um, they said that I should go to the ER because of that. Um, I just remember being in the ER the whole time and just wanting a diagnosis just to make sure like I'm okay. I don't need surgery. My HCG, like what was it? What was it? Like, was I really losing it? Just wanted confirmation and get me out of there because no one wants to be in the R right now. Um, so the doctor just told me like, he just gave me a pain medication and just said, you know, go home and get rest. Um, my husband remembers this differently. He thought that the ER doctor was insensitive and callous. I don't remember this. And then again, my mindset had me like already diagnosed myself and I just wanted confirmation, but my husband was more upset than I was. Um, because I think the ER doctor's words were like, again, the ultrasound, I just saw debris, nothing indicating a pregnancy. Um, I think you're miscarrying. I don't think it's a menstrual cycle. I think it's just you miscarrying. So we'll get you some pain medications and send you home. And that like, my husband still is upset about the way he spoke. <laughs> well, I don't think it was anything intentional. I think it was just routine for him. Um, so we went home. I basically just had a normal cycle. I think it was like three days. And the story I told myself was that um, I really was just eight days late. 
like if this were 1990, I wouldn't be able to take an over-the-counter test. So I wouldn't have even known that I was pregnant. I would think that I was eight days late because my grandma passed away and I was upset about it. And we went, we had to travel to this funeral and we never got to rest. And so my body just like couldn't relax. And that has happened to me before. I've been like a week late when I've been under like stress. So I told myself, it's 1990 and you didn't even know you're pregnant and it is what it is. I followed up with my OB that week and I asked him like, would you say this was a chemical pregnancy? And he said um, that he doesn't believe in that word. A loss is a loss to him. He counts them all the same. And um, I kind of was pushing for it because I was like, I think I kind of feel better if you'd say it was a chemical pregnancy because I'm still so disturbed by the cardiac activity that we saw the first time that I just want to believe that like acupuncture forced the implantation and this just wasn't right. And he said, you know, like pretty, pretty much said that what I had already told myself, he was like, you know, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to take an EPT and you would have just thought you were having a late period. But you, this isn't 30 years ago. You saw the lines. This is a loss. But I don't see anything concerning. I don't see any red flags in your health. Um, it's the good news that you got pregnant again relatively quickly. I know it wasn't as quickly as you wanted it to be. But I know I'll see you back here very soon. Just go home and rest. You're fine. So um, then COVID became super serious. And um, we all stayed home. My husband worked from home. I worked from home. Um, I had a full cycle. And then we tried again. And um, Mother's Day, I believe, was May 10th this year. I on purpose didn't test, even though that was the day my period should have come on May, on May 10th. Because um, I didn't want to see a negative and upset myself. Um, <clears throat> So I didn't test on Mother's Day, but I tested the next day because I was a day late and it was positive. I felt much better about that positive. It was like, it was darker. My breast felt heavier. I didn't really have fatigue, but I did feel like more thirsty. So I was cautious because after two losses so quickly, um, I actually told, literally told my husband, I want to feel excited, but I just don't want to be a fool. I feel like every time we've had a loss, I like, at some point, I've just been a fool to think that it was okay. Um, and he told me, it's not foolish to like hope for the best. It's foolish maybe to brag or boast, but it's not foolish to like want what's best. Um, and so it, like, I called my doctor because he had told me after the second loss, or even after the first loss, he said, immediately call us when you get a positive pregnancy test. We're the first people you call. I'll order a lab immediately. We'll get you tested every, test your HCG and your progesterone every three days. So I did. We got um, blood work done um, the next day. Um, I forget my, what my first HCG was, but it was in the hundreds. So I felt good about it. And three days later, it didn't fully double, but my doctor did talk to me on the phone and say, I think you're progressing nicely for the level that you're at or for the, for the point that you are in the cycle. Um, so I wasn't too worried, even though deep down you're always worried. And we're in the middle of a crisis, so this is May. Um, and I had already seen the endocrinologist uh, in March after the second loss, just for fun. My insurance lets me see a specialist even without a referral. You know, my OB told me not to worry about anything. He didn't refer me. I just went to the endocrinologist just to get ahead of it. She said everything was excellent. 
no problems with my thyroid, my estrogen's great, there's nothing wrong. Um, so at the end of May, um, my husband and I were having sex and then like 15 minutes afterwards when I went to the restroom, I wiped and it was the super light, light, light peach color, not pink, like peach like champagne. <laughs> and so I thought it was overreacting when I saw that because with starting with this third pregnancy, I was immediately bought like baby wipes because I was wiping like every 20 minutes. I just couldn't stop wiping. And like all those wipes were normal. And then this is the first one where I'm seeing like the lightest, lightest peach color. So I freaked out. My husband also freaked out too. Um, but we didn't see spotting, so it was okay. Like, I tried to go to sleep and get over it. Next day was okay. We actually were in like a jovial mood. We were sitting in bed, watching Netflix, laughing. And my OB called and he got right to the chase and said like, your numbers were already dropping last Saturday. And so um, he just said, you can stop taking your progesterone. You're probably going to have like a heavy period in a few days. Sorry about this. Um, let's have you go through two cycles and then we can do more intensive blood work. And have he ordered a, um, a hysterosonogram, no, a sonohistogram that is more invasive. Um, yeah, that third loss was, I mean, they were all super traumatic, but because of COVID, I didn't even contemplate having a DNC. I was farther along, or I was about the same point in the, in, um, the pregnancy as I was with the first one. Um, so we stayed home. I was dreading like having four days of excruciating pain and like screaming like I was the first time. Um, but I drew like a hot bath the first day that I saw spotting after stopping and taking progesterone. And I was in the bath for, I don't usually take a bath. I was taking it specifically because I was having like the cramping and that really eases it for me. Um, I was only in there for like 20 minutes. And I felt super, super dizzy. So I got out of the bathtub, stumbled into the bedroom and like was calling for my husband. And I was laying on in the bed and my husband finally came in. By the time he came in, I told the first thing I said was like, I can't see because I felt like, like the walls were like going dark and like, now I've looked it up and this is called tunneling where it felt like I was like in a tunnel and it was closing in and closing in. It was like black. And, um, you know, it was just really, really painful. I had pain medication from the second loss still that I hadn't finished taking. So I took that or my husband had to like force it down my throat because I really couldn't move at that point. Um, and I just, probably was having contractions. Like since I've never really given birth, I don't really know what contractions feel like, but the, they felt different than menstrual cramps. So I think I just had severe contractions just for half an hour. And then I saw like the sack and everything come out. And my husband says that there was a point where I passed out. I don't remember this, but I like, passed out and he said my, my eyes were open and my jaw was slack and it was really scary and he contemplated calling the ambulance. I told him not to in the first place because of COVID. Um, I just really did not want to go to the ER at all. Um, I told him, give me 30 minutes, like let's wait for the pain medication to kick in and see how I feel. And then like 30 minutes later, I did feel like kind of normal. And that's when I saw like the sack and everything like come out. Um, so that was surprising that it was all over in like a day. 
but like that's where we are. Um, that was the last week of May. Now we're early August. Since then, I really hated my bedroom. So we've been sleeping on um, an air mattress in our living room. Sometimes, like, I feel like maybe I just need, like, five days in the living room to sleep, and, like, maybe I can just, like, reset my mind and come back to the bedroom. One time, like, after a few weeks, my husband um, rearranged all the furniture in our bedroom, so it kind of really feels like a new room, but um, my virtual therapist, who I've still been seeing since October, um, told me, like, trauma lives in the body. And so it's not really surprising that I can't sleep in this bed. Um, I changed the decor in our bathroom. Like I changed all the colors around and I actually feel like at peace with the bathroom. There was a point when I hated being in there. Um, but yeah, I'm still dealing with it. I just been listening to this podcast for so long. I just really wanted to share a story that ended well and I'm, disappointed that it's been a whole year now and I have nothing positive to say, but I'm still working through it. And um, I guess- I mean, this is like super fresh for you. So I really appreciate you sharing kind of when you're in the midst of it because most mm-hmm. of the women who are listening, that's where they're at too. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's really helpful. And I always ask at the end of every episode, if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? I should have prepared for this. (laughs) I don't think I have one. (laughs) um, I've just been so immersed in like reading about anxiety and depression and like trying to find my tribe. And I found so many tribes. Like I found the parent loss group, which is one aspect of it. And then there's the TTC after loss group. And then there's the Lamb Fam. Like it's really like cliche to say I that we're not alone, but we're not. It feels so lonely, especially now with the pandemic. I think that's part of why I needed to share now. Part of it is that it's been a full year and it's so hard to deal with these milestones but it's just um really isolating now because all of the pain that everyone feels is amplified by the pain that like is special to the lamp fam so i guess um just anything you can do i don't know <laughs> i guess i i guess i'm really hard on myself for backsliding sometimes when I think I'm like making progress in my healing and I've just learned like instead of saying I'm a mess or like why I'm a disaster I try to tell myself like I can do hard things I'm just human I'm vulnerable this is teaching me a lot I've learned so much this year I've learned things I wish I never had to learn, but I've learned a lot this year. Yeah. No, I love that. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Instagram is where I'm most active. Um, Okay. It's Lady Danny underscore XO. And I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. I couldn't do this without you girls. So um, y'all have to keep us posted. Good luck on everything. And I know that you and I will be chatting. So (laughs) thanks so much, Kelly. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally Thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.